On this episode of Driven Too Far, we're joined by safety professionals Heath Richards and Brett Clyer, and we're talking about the risk of complacency with new tech. Hello, I'm Andrew Winkler, and this is Driven Too Far, the truth about trucking, a podcast that helps over-the-road truck drivers balance career and family. On this episode of Driven Too Far, we're talking about technology in the trucks and how it can make drivers complacent. I've got two guests with me today, Brett Clyer, Safety Manager from Chief Carriers, and Heath Richards, VP of Safety from TSL Companies. How are you guys doing today? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you yeah. bet. So it just seems like there's a lot of technology in today's truck anymore compared to where we probably all started 20, 30 years ago. So let's talk just a little bit about what's changed specifically over the last five to 10 years. What are you guys seeing out there? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, you know, personally, it's it's a lot of driver assist stuff. Um, you know, back in the 70s, 80s, you know, you didn't have power steering. Um, your air conditioner, what they call those two at 55, two windows down <laughs> right, at 55 right. mile an hour. Um, you, you didn't have cruise control. You didn't have lane deviation devices. You didn't have electronic logs, automatic transmissions. You know, back in those days, the driver actually had to drive the vehicle. And now, with the technology that we're seeing, we're, we're trending away from that to where, done right, the driver's actually driving for the other vehicles around them. And the technology is assisting that driver with his number one task, which is operating that commercial motor vehicle. So, in my opinion, that's kind of where I see it going is they just keep adding more and more to help the driver have to drive for the other drivers, which essentially is kind of unfortunate that we have to do that. But that's kind of where I, I see technology today compared to where it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. For sure. Brett, what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of technology that's been added to these trucks that help drivers or almost control the truck for them in some senses. So I agree with Heath. I mean, yeah, they have to definitely, it's pretty much pay attention to what's around them, less time holding the steering wheel actually and figuring, oh, do I shift here? Do I shift there? When do I, you know, and the trucks do a lot of things for them. It's kind of interesting when you think about it, we've probably all got at least three generations of drivers, different generations driving for us. And, and the boomers, if they're still out there driving, like he said, they came up you know, nothing was power, anything. You really had to drive and control the vehicle and stuff. But you jump ahead to maybe today's younger crowd coming into the business, and they're just used to all that technology already. So, you know, coming through, you think about the boomers and the Gen Xers and stuff, of how things changed. Uh, there's been a lot to adapt to over the years, and they're probably questioning themselves. It's like, why does it keep changing? Why can't I just drive the truck? Why don't they leave it alone? I don't need all this stuff. Yeah, I've heard I've heard some of my drivers say that specifically, like, oh, I wish they would take all this off there. I don't need this, um, you know, like the braking, the automatic braking or adaptive cruise type things, lane departures. Like, I, I know when I'm going out of the lane. I can see I'm paying attention. But I think, like, like you just said, though, the younger generation has grown up in vehicles that have the blind spot notifications and have the lane keep assist in your in your day-to-day -day cars and they're just used to that they don't know how to sad to say don't know how to drive really without those types of features so you kind of need it for both do you guys ever worry about you know the technology making the driver too complacent in the vehicle not actually controlling and paying attention to the things he or she needs to do 
<laughs> oh yes, <laughs> very, very <laughs> much sleep so. over that one. <laughs> yes, and, and I'll try not to uh, get on my soapbox about uh, training, because because with this technology, that to me in my experience, there's that one level that we're missing, um, and that's adequate training. Um, you know, you ever seen those memes where there's a dead animal on the side of the road and the guy painting the highway just goes around it? You <laughs> I know, seen that one. <laughs> you know, it, it's, they don't want to tackle the problem at hand, which is driver training. Just work around it. So we're just going to work around it. We're going to keep adding this technology and this technology and this technology. And it does do great things, and especially for the newer generations of drivers that come with that experience because that's all they know. Um, but if you go back and start talking to some of your older drivers, um, they're a little receptive to this new technology. Once they uh, understand it, they, they, they like it, but it's still hard for them to get fully acceptable to it. They're still doing what they're normally were taught to do. You know, check the mirrors all the time, lane change. You know, it's a, it's a planned maneuver, not a knee-jerk reaction. So they're checking their blind spots. They're moving their vehicle to make sure that they can do that stuff. And with technology, you know, one of the big problems that, that I see, and we can kind of go into it here in a little bit, is is that complacency where they think that that commercial vehicle should drive itself. It should be doing everything, and they can just unfortunately get distracted. You know, they can change to a different podcast, or they can read that audio, audio book, or we've all seen them out there watching movies on their laptops on yeah. the dash you know that that type of stuff because this truck's going to stop me three seconds before i get to the vehicle well is is it really it's just a tool to assist you not to drive for you and that's kind of the challenge um with young drivers and newer drivers is where's that fine line on this uh technology you know the old adages is you know i could be a brand new mechanic starting in your shop and have the ni- nicest snap-on toolbox and tools. But if I don't know how to use them, that truck's not going to get serviced because those tools will not service that truck. I have to be able to do it. And it's kind of the same thing here with uh, technology and the drivers. The drivers still have to know the number one thing, and that's operating that commercial motor vehicle safely. I'm kind of curious. Uh, I don't know, Heath, if you guys hire students out of the schools or anything like that, but uh, Brett, maybe you can talk on this. You know, what are the schools actually teaching? And are, are, are the schools, is the curriculum where it needs to be considering the new technology? Um, I think a lot of the schools are trying to do it right. I definitely like the schools that push teaching them on manuals. It just, it doesn't, you know, it takes away that reliance of, oh, I don't need really not a shift, you know, and and if you talk to any of the drivers that have been around for a while, I mean, yes, eventually you get them in an automatic long enough, they see some advantages of it and they're like, oh man, this is kind of nice. But the initial fight is there because they don't feel like they have control of the vehicle. And I know that there's some schools out there that'll just unfortunately run them through a little bit, um, run them in, in the automatics and I tend to favor and look towards the students that come out of ones that have been taught, they come out they don't have that restriction on their license. They can drive a manual. They've been shown, we'll call it the old way of doing things a little bit more without all that technology. And, and another thing too with that technology of schools is the readily available of equipment. You know, some of these schools and, and no discredit to them, they may not have that newer equipment to, to train on. Don't have the means or the access yeah, to it or so, something. Yeah, so when, when a driver 
goes to school and graduates school, um, he may have the manual and that's what he knows, but then he gets to a carrier and it's all automatics. Um, and so there's a learning curve there or you get accustomed to uh, the automatic fifth wheel release and then you get into a truck that doesn't have it and honestly I'd say this but that driver's lost I've seen it firsthand where they're banging the kingpin up against a fifth wheel and cannot figure it out it's like driver you got to pull that handle <laughs> you know what is that thing <laughs> I've never seen it but it happens it, sure. it, it does happen and so schools are great nothing against schools uh, we, we don't hire out of schools ju just for our type of business that we do um, but there is a little bit of a challenge there with some of the schools as far as getting that current technology within the trucks that they have because they're limited on budgets, this, that, and the other. So that that is another thing, too, that um, you may see with students right out of school. I kind of remember talking, you know, this is several years back when we were kind of making the move to ELDs and stuff, but uh, asking the schools, hey, why don't you train these guys on electronic logs? Because they're still teaching them paper in the schools and, and their point was to say, listen, these guys are gonna go to multiple different carriers, you know, which system should we train them on? Because there's a handful of them out there and to their credit, I get it, they're, they're probably right. Yeah, and I mean, bottom line, you still have to know how to run a paper log. That yes. ELD is like anything else, it's gonna malfunction sooner or later and you need to know how to do old school paper way of doing things. Um, it's a requirement, I mean, so, I totally understand why the schools wouldn't do it. I mean, there's there's a hundreds hundreds of different providers. Uh, granted, they keep narrowing it down over the years, but there's so many options out there, and they're all similar, but none of them are exactly the same. Yeah, so it's not realistic to train them on something like that when there's so many options. Right. Now, I mean, you you you, you know, you got the specific regs, you know, for the ELDs. This now, be yeah, I agree there with Brett that. Uh, it, it's funny if you get a younger driver that their ELD malfunction, they're like, how do I do this paper log? <laughs> and you're like, well, sit down, son. Here, <laughs> we're going to have some fun. But, you know, and that is one of the violations that, that we see at TSL and other companies too is not having those blank log books, that blank seven days of logs. Everybody thinks, you know, I don't need a log book. I got this. But no, you really do. Um, and then we form and manner uh, – we can work on that. You know, that was the number one thing that everybody got wrote for back in the day was form and manner. And now with electronic, you don't have to be creative in your writing. You can just let the thing do it. But when it does go down, they got to know how to do it. And if they don't know how to do it, it's, it's a challenge for not only the driver, but also the company as well. Right. So Heath, you mentioned uh, TSL is adopting some new technologies with the trucks and things like that. Tell us a little bit about what you guys are looking at and then how have the drivers reacted to introducing that new stuff? Um, you know, one of the new ones here, just reason that sticks out is, is uh, the collision mitigation um, and drivers figuring out, you know, when does that thing come on? When does it not come on? And why is it stopping me all of a sudden? Um, you know, we had a specific incident where a driver, a veteran driver, he's like, this thing just stopped me. And I had plenty of distance. And he goes, I think it's out of calibration. So review the video because uh, we use forward-facing dash cameras and realistically it was he was just too close you know in, in normal scenarios he thought he was just fine but once we started breaking it down and showing okay here's where it's starting you see how it's progressing all of a sudden bam it stops you 
it's working. You, the, the camera and the radar says you're too close and we don't like this. So we're going to apply the brakes because you're not doing anything. He, you, he was slowing down, but not at the rate that the technology wanted. So that's kind of a big uh, curve with the drivers is getting that right training to them saying, hey, this is how the system works. You know, this is what you're used to, but however, this is what's going to happen. And I think maybe four days he had it down, you know, but it was a little challenging at first with him. And so that's that's kind of uh, been a struggle um, le learning that forward collision uh, because they just haven't had it. Um, you know, with the chip shortages and the shortage of uh, trying to get new trucks, um, it's been tough to get that now that the equipment's coming in, the, the technology's on it, because we, we want to obviously reduce um, collisions just like everybody else. And, you know, there's you go back and look at any carrier, there could be that one or two times, well, what if I had this? Yes, Would that or could that have made right. a difference? Um, but like any technology, it can also hurt you as well. Um, but we've looked at, we're looking at side uh, cameras, um, you know, that that's not only for a driver standpoint, but also for our claims department. Um, that way, you know, if, if, unfortunately, if there is an occurrence on the roadway and it, it involves a lane change, um, it may be our fault, but we're able to identify that and try to resolve the matter efficiently as we can versus back and forth lawyers, you know, this, that, and the other, who was it? It was you can just see it. Hey, this yep. was their fault. Then there's no questions. No questions. And it saves everybody in the long run. Right. You know, that's kind of that back office stuff that drivers, ah, oh, they're just putting this in the truck to, to watch me. No, no, we're not. We're <laughs> right. trying to be more efficient as a whole. Yes. Realistically, we are. Because uh, what you may not see is what we see and vice versa. So um, technology does have a place within the industry and it does help both the back office safety side um, but then also it helps the driver as well. I'll ask both of you guys this question because when he's talking about that, it kind of popped in my head. But how many times has your driver been involved in a collision, maybe a side collision of some sort? Your driver maintained their lane and did everything right, but yet you still have the other party coming at you trying to file a claim against you or maybe even suing you. Have you guys experienced that? Um, yeah, I have. And it's difficult without the cameras like Keith was talking about. Um, yeah, how do you prove that I mean, without we, the video you know, evidence? It's you know, difficult. We're looking at doing the same thing, adding the side view cameras. Um, but you hope you hope that there's something you can catch in. We have the forward-facing cameras also. There's something you, you hope you could catch a reflection of something in one of those mirrors that you can see what actually went on. You're hoping that there's a witness. I mean, you're relying on all these outside things that if you had a camera, per se, like that for those side mirror viewing down your trailer, it would be no questions. I mean, it would just be easy. Otherwise, you're chasing tails. You're hoping you can get a witness. You're hoping, you know, you saw something in your forward-facing video. You're, you're hoping that the law enforcement wrote up that the other person came over and not the truck, which let's face it, or the trucking company were tending, I hate to say that, but a lot of times we're guilty until we prove ourselves we're not. Well, yeah, you, if you don't have the technology proving that you were in the right, you may be writing a check anyway. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and I've had it over my years of experience where it's kind of a, he said, he said, he said, she said type scenario. And, and, um, 
that officer, you know, because when that officer shows up, it, it's two stories, and that police report is just an opinion of the facts. That that officer wasn't there. We may get lucky one in a million where that officer was right there and saw everything, but let's face it, you, you we're starting. I'm starting to see less and less witnesses. They just don't they want don't, to get involved. Don't want to get involved. Yep. They don't have the time, you know, because we're such a fast-paced society. And we had one at four in the morning on on the expressway. Lady swore up and down. We pushed her into another vehicle, and the other vehicle said, yeah, he pushed her right into us. We review the video footage, send the re video footage right over to the officer, and officer said, that's not what happened. He stayed in his lane, and you are the one that came into his lane. So not only did we save a ticket right there, we were able to then subrogate our damages uh, from that other party, and you see that a lot. Um, and also the driver knew enough that he maintained his lane. Um, and, and I know we could talk about this, but a lot of drivers will try to swerve another way to avoid a collision, but they get complacent in that mindset of what's happening right now. They forget their surroundings, and in turn, they missed a lane change accident, but then they just struck a fixed object or they rear-ended somebody. Um, you know, so unfortunately, sometimes you have to maintain your lane because if you don't, you're going to cause another accident. Well, and I know we've talked about this with cameras and the advantages, but just listening to you tell that story, that situation, uh, that technology could have very well saved that driver's career, so to speak, uh, kept that accident off of his record, which had it gone the other way, had you not had a camera or something, it could have easily been on his record and been following him around. Right. We had one um, that happened probably was February, January, February this year. Um, heading into a construction zone and SUV come flying around the front of the front of us and lost control spun around 360 or 180 I guess it was 180 and came right back at the truck you know luckily um, it was construction zone slower speed we were going to speed limit and we got stopped and over it with minor minor uh, collision there but had we not had a forward-facing dash cam we would have hit the other vehicle. You know, anything could have been happened. Totally, he said, she said, and that just exonerated us immediately. So it was, it was definitely more help than a hindrance. And, and to piggyback up, Brett too, he he brought something up that I'm sure we both try to do, and, and some of our peers too is when we see that camera footage of that hard break or or that near collision. Um, you know, we're reviewing it, but also we'll be the first ones to call the driver and say, "Hey, great job." great job on avoiding that car right. or that truck um you know or i've always told drivers and i'm sure this is going to go out to drivers so some of them may not agree with this but it's not a matter of when it's a matter of if you're you do enough miles on the road you're going to be involved in an occurrence that's just that's just how it's going to be our goal is as safety people is to train you to when that day comes it is a very, very minor occurrence that, that you were able to avoid everything and maybe just put mud on the tires. I will send you to Blue Beacon, get a truck wash. No harm, no foul. We're on the road, right? right. Um, but the last thing is, is we don't want that major occurrence. You know, we're hoping that our training in this technology will be able to reduce those collisions because it's just a matter of time. You put enough miles on there and 
you're, you're going to be involved in one. Whether you like it or not, we keep getting more and more drivers every year. Their younger cars are less expensive, they're more readily available. We, we get a lot of young drivers. I, I talk over in Iowa, 14, you can get a school permit at 14 years old. And, and what that means is if you live more than a mile outside of school, guess what? You get to drive to school. If you have siblings in the same household, they can ride with you. If you've got friends that are in the same direct route, they can ride with you. Um, if you have a school function, so let's say my local team goes to state football in Cedar, Cedar Falls, Iowa, which is three and a half hours away, my daughter can drive there because it's a state function. So telling the drivers that, hey, you could potentially be next to 14-year-olds, it really opens their eyes. And, and But a lot of drivers just don't know every state's rules. Kansas is another one, those young kids that can do the farming operations. Right. Um, so back to that full circle of where you have to drive for everybody. And when you do come into that uh, occurrence, you, you know, you minimize uh, the severity of it the best you can. So I remember working for a carrier and uh, coaching this driver. Um, I think he had just about a million miles accident free uh, involved in an occurrence. It was his fault. Um, you know, but reviewing everything, it's like, how did this happen? So. Uh, part of the uh, coaching counseling discipline was uh, we're going to place a camera in his truck uh, to try to understand his maneuvers out there on the road, why he's doing what he's doing, kind of like breaking it down deliberate practice. And uh, notice that he just kept getting following distance alerts and, uh, you know, call him and say, hey, you know, let's let's review these cameras. We'd find something in the roadway where we could count it, one in Mississippi, two in Mississippi, three in Mississippi. He's like, no, that's not right. That thing's not beeping at me. I'm like, what things? He's like, that radar thing's not beeping, so I know I'm not that close. I'm like, is that what you use for following distance? He's like, yeah, it beeps at me when I get close. <laughs> and you're just like, mercy sakes, alive. And, and But there was that complacency. He realized that he could take the or so he thought he could take the following distance out of it because technology was going to alert him. It was going to let him know. Yeah, yeah. and it's You're like way too close is what's going to let him know. And, and at the end of the day, um, listening to all that, we uh, we had a discussion personally, and you know I told him, hey, I, I think maybe you ought to go to uh, an ear, nose, and throat specialist. And he was actually losing his hearing. The alarm was going off. He couldn't hear it. He couldn't hear it. Until it um, got so loud. Yep. Wow. And, and so it's kind of a, a, a win-win there, you know, and, and like me and Brett were talking uh, here a while back, it's so easy to fire a driver. One of the easiest things in the world. It's kind of like the smell of burnt hair. You never get used to it because you know they're trying to provide for a family. But in our position, we have a, a role to protect the whole, not just yes. the driver. We yep. have the company. You have the families, the spouses that rely on that individual's job. So if I just went ahead and let him go, following distance, just let him go, that doesn't mean that tomorrow he's still not driving for another carrier. He's going to be driving for the other carrier doing the exact same thing. Exactly. And, and I had the a, risk is still there. And to me, this is how, and Brett can, can attest this too, we both kind of share that same thing, is I have a duty as a safety person to try to rehabilitate drivers the best I can. Now, there's going to be times when you have that egregious thing where you just can't do it. It's a complete risk. Right. But if I can try to coach them, and, and that one, that was a win to me, that we coached him. Not only did we coach him on his following distance, but we found out he had a medical condition. So now he was able to better his life that way. 
um, that that was a win. And, and I've been asked several times, why do you do what you do? And I always say it's the unseen success. You know, you got 500 drivers all over the country or 1,000, 10,000, 100, it doesn't matter. When you're in this role, they're all out there doing doing their thing. And that unseen success is that near miss you didn't hear about, you know, or that driver was able to help because he, he caught something in training. And that's one of the main reasons why I do what I do. Um, ironically, you want stories. I've had some drivers that I've fired <laughs> before. Did Brett uh, hire him? No, Brett no, didn't hire him. No, I didn't hire him. No, I didn't no, hire him. No, Brett didn't hire him. But I've had drivers that I've had to, uh, you, you know, we we were met the finish line. We were done. Um, but they've come back and talked to me and said, hey, I appreciate you. You did what you did. Um, I realized that this is what I was doing wrong, and I've, I've been a year accident free. That was the wake up. It, it, it was like. Hey, I, I appreciate that. I always joked that I could give somebody, I could have somebody sign a written warning notice and they'd take me out to lunch because it wasn't uh, personal, me against them. It was every driver I have where I'm at now at TSL is, this is a little over 400. So I, I always joke, I got 400 pairs of gloves in my desk. Every one of them has to be treated a different way. It's just the way they retain stuff, the way that they need to be approached some of them call a spade a spade man you effed up <laughs> yeah yeah i did or some of them warm milk and teddy bears you know they need that <laughs> right they, they need i mean we're well, being yeah, honest here, right? a little hug, yeah, yeah little hug hey we're gonna get through this it's gonna be okay um but yeah the the technology it, it's it's helped um but also i see a lot of complacency with the drivers they just need to understand that industry is going to the technology we necessarily can't get around it um yeah it's not stopping yeah it, it's, it's only not more so use it to your advantage you know don't just rely on it just use it to your advantage um yeah i came i had a, i was at a carrier uh for six years where they didn't have dash cameras the only time we had 15 dash cameras and that was for training purposes only um but over 80 of them had their own dash cameras because they they knew you the hear a lot about that. Yeah, yeah you do in personal vehicles yeah a lot of drivers they'll take it and put it in their personal vehicle because they want that sense of security that hey i didn't that that wasn't me and my fault you know because they take their job very serious um but we could go on forever about stories some of them <laughs> that probably make you really really <laughs> really scratch your head well, I think we did a good job. I uh, The complacency, like you said, the technology is there to assist and to help. It's not there to take over. And that's probably one of the takeaways I'd like the you know the drivers to get out of this, this whole conversation. Yeah, that's, it's, we're a long, long ways before you go to a driverless environment. I mean, right. their drivers are needed, and they're needed to be attentive and do their day-to-day -day everything, not – like you said, not get complacent, not know, oh, it's going to beep at me when yeah, maybe it doesn't beep at you. And it's too late by then if you're not paying attention. Well, I appreciate you guys joining me for this episode. Heath, tell me a little bit about TSL. Where can the drivers find you online or how do they get in contact with you? Uh, we're an intermodal company based here in Omaha, family owned since, uh, family owned and run since 1981. Uh, if, if you uh, are feeling a little frisky on uh, <laughs> intermodal, uh, for TSL.com, and we, we service uh, the Midwest down to uh, Texas, all the way to the West Coast and East Coast. Very cool. 
Brett, how about Chief Carriers? What can you tell us about them? Flatbed company, part of a um, bigger Chief Industries uh, out of Grand Island, Nebraska. So absolutely, if you're interested in flatbed, give us a shout. Um, Where do they find you? You can find me right here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, chiefcarriers.com and, you know, Obviously, we have uh, check out our Facebook page. We we do put a lot on Facebook, so yeah, that's, that's, that's a very, very good entertaining space to to find out some company culture. Hey, yeah, it's a great place to find out about culture and stuff. I absolutely agree. So, uh, thank you guys. Appreciate you. Thank yep. you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Driven Too Far. To learn more, check us out at driventofar.com. <laughs>